Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and co-creator of the new series Drawing Blood. You're listening to me on Canned Air. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And we've, like I said, got a very special episode for you today. Very turtle-themed episode, <laughs> I would say. I've been wanting to talk on the uh, Turtles in Retro Roundtable for some time, but every time it comes to mind, I'm like, gotta save it for save a special it. occasion. It, we yeah. never have, have we? We haven't. Man. And I can't think of a more special occasion than welcoming co-creator Kevin Eastman mm-hmm. to the show to it's talk like about It's like having the, the show's patron saint on, finally. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's It was a moment. Our I spiritual had. liege. <laughs> so like I said, we're going to be talking about Turtles in the Retro Roundtable, and then we're going to be cutting over to our interview with Kevin Eastman, where we not only talk with him about Turtles, but talk to him about his Kickstarter starting August 1st for Drawing Blood. The story behind the stories. How did he describe it? A, he said the uh, the completely fictional true story. Right, yeah. That is somewhat based around his actual experiences <laughs> in the uh, comic making industry. So. Minus guns. Minus gun <laughs> that he's willing to admit to. Yeah, he's willing, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's plenty of guns. It looks like on that uh, page they sent us, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that a little bit later. So let's kick it off with this week's retro round table. Hold on to your butts. All right, guys, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where do we begin? Uh, I guess our first in, in exposure to the characters? See, that's yeah. that's the thing that comes to mind. Because when I was younger, mm-hmm. I loved the turtles, like, oh, on yeah. a surface level. It's like, they're ninjas and they're turtles? This is awesome, you know? And that's, like, all it took. But you don't you don't think about the, the validity of the stories at work there, you know, until you get older and it kind of sticks with you. And you see kids... You know that are just as jazzed about it as I was when I was their age, right. and they're going to grow up and they're going to like it in a different way as they get older. It's, right. it's still relevant somehow. You yeah. know, it's just it's not going anywhere. Now you were you're a little bit younger than Jack and I are. Mm-hmm. What year would you say you were getting into it? Like what what was your first exposure? Was it the original cartoon or what was it? It was definitely the original cartoon. Okay, yeah. So bad with dates, but I couldn't have been older than. Five, four, five, mm-hmm. six in that range. Yeah. So I would say like 95, 96. There you go. Okay. It's about the time it really hit me. My my first exposure was the cartoon, Jack. Yeah, same thing. Same. Yeah. I remember seeing, remember seeing the commercials for it and was like, it's an awful long name for a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was too young to even think that way. I don't even remember the seeing them for the first time. Like as long as I can remember, I've. Uh, just been into them like ever since like first or second grade mm-hmm. i remember uh, taking my very first ninja turtle figure which was a Mike- michelangelo figure i loved it so much i couldn't part with it i took it to school with me and like was on the playground like showing off my new turtle and this girl that used to torment me took it from me threw it up in the air and it came down and shattered to a million oh, pieces what an ass i cried like a baby <laughs> over that <laughs> That Traumatic. About the only thing I remember from those days. <laughs> I think I had the toy before actually really watching the show. Just yeah. remember seeing little parts of the show, but then at the grocery store when I had $5, being able to go in yeah. the toy section and seeing that was like, oh, cool. I think, though, at first the toy line was geared a lot more toward the comic than it was the yeah, cartoon, it was. and then eventually you know, came into the entire franchise. I want to say 
because my first one was Michelangelo. I think it had a small comic with it. Did it really? It might, unless though, I'm thinking because I got I joined the uh, honorary turtle fan club. Oh, look at you! So I had a card, and maybe that's where the comic came, but it also came with a bandana, which I was kind of pissed because it wasn't like a bandana that they wear. It was just a a bandana with their logo. Oh, oh really? Yeah, it was purple. I mean, but yeah, you couldn't wear it and didn't. You know what? You can't complain too much because when I was that young, I didn't know there was a turtle fan club. I didn't know that was the way to obtain a bandana. So, (laughs) what I did for my bandana. At the time, my mom used to make uh, like very country crafty kind of stuff. So she always had a bunch of fabrics laying around. The closest thing I could find was like a picnic table kind of red and white hashtag (laughs) thing that I cut into a bandana and wore that. It was the closest thing I could get until they put out toys that actually were the bandana with like the little rubber green nose that fell over yours and came with like miniature weapons. Those were awesome. You know, I heard if you uh, were part of the Ninja Turtles fan club for five consecutive years, Shredder would come to your house and beat the shit out of you. Did that happen, Jack? <laughs> I moved around a lot, so they probably lost where I was. Where is he? He showed was... up to the old house where your Emperor Palpatine showed up. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that still chaps my ass. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> oh, what else we got, guys? What have been your favorite incarnations of the turtles in these in the years in the thirty what 30, 34 years now something yeah. like that? I can't believe okay, it's you know been what? That long. Here's one. I don't know if this qualifies for your question. In my mind, it does. Either way, I'm going to use it as a springboard for this thing that I want to say. When I was younger, I got this toy that was like a big turtle jet spaceship thing, and it was modular. I remember being able to pick it apart and reassemble it in different ways. and had, like, launching missiles and little mini turtles that would go in the cockpit. Hmm. And I can't remember if it was, like, official turtle stuff, if it was some, like, bootleg thing. I have the vaguest memory of this thing. I just know it was awesome. Did you buy it in Mexico? No, no. It was in... Ordered from China. Columbus, (laughs) Ohio. wonder what it was. So were they, like, really tiny? They were really small. I wonder... Uh, you guys remember like Polly Pocket and Mighty Max? Yeah, and yeah. Those things, like right? micro machines. And yeah, stuff. very popular at the time. So I'm, I'm, I know something like, to that effect. I know with this new line that's out now with the new series of toys, they, there are little like uh, you know fold open like yeah, Polly yeah. Pocket kind of worlds, like yeah. of the sewer den or the Tekken Drum or whatever, and little tiny turtle figures. So you know a lot of this stuff in the line is just redoing the same ideas they did in the original yeah. line, like the uh, the fold up turtle that starts as a baby turtle and then folds into the mutated ninja turtle so cool just add radioactive waste (laughs) there's so many cool toys though like krang's body like my buddy my buddy had all of the coolest freaking turtle toys i had a lot of action figures but as far as like the vehicles go i had the turtle van but i didn't get any like the the krang's body he had the big blimp there was like a foot soldiers like fan skateboard thing. There were mm. all kinds of cool things I wish I could have had. I had the Technodrome at one point. Did you? Yeah. Oh my God. Sweet. I had Rich no kid. No here. kidding. Well, you know, <laughs> I was well provided for when I was young. What can I say? <laughs> That's how you could tell a family's uh, you know, social the class. The of turtle toy. <laughs> oh, they have a Technodrome. Oh, gee. <laughs> well, sorry. Technodrome in the toy box, Mercedes-Benz in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend um, who... You know, like most people, when they get older, you know, and they become adults, grow disinterested with their toys and dispose of them. 
And yeah, some of us don't. And some of us don't. Mm. Some of us have them all on the wall behind us <laughs> as we Not speak. Not naming names. No one in particular. But I remember, um, he got also some of the coolest toys, like the Technodrome. He had the Ghostbusters Firehouse, mm-hmm. Ecto-1. He had all that stuff. Jeez. And I remember going over one day and seeing all of it. Melted in a fire. Oh out my back. god! No. And I just like could have no. like collapsed and cried. Like <laughs> I would have loved these things. I would have given them a good home. You Why? Maniac. Why? Damn you! <laughs> what a shame. He wouldn't even think to sell them or something. Yeah, really. Uh, well, I mean, they're just junk toys. I mean, yeah. I don't think yeah. at the time. Maybe nowadays you could, but. He's not the type that's going to sit on. You sure. know, he's 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 a farmer. He's got kids. He's got a wife. Mm. He's not thinking about toys like that. I don't have any use like for these anymore. Yeah. Just get rid of them. So, I mean, I don't blame him, but uh, I guess a good little part of me kind of does. The toy loving <laughs> part of me does. The kid in me does. Did you say what your favorite incarnation, though, was? Like, No, I was just thinking about that toy and how that felt like an incarnation of the turtles as spacefaring okay. astro turts. I'll take it. <laughs> Jack? <laughs> Probably the Nickelodeon show going on now. I'll agree. Just because, I don't know, they're a good time watching them now. The old cartoon was, I don't know if it's just dated or it's too kiddy. As a child, you love it. But when um, they start putting the seasons out on DVD and they're like really cheap, like five to ten bucks for like the seasons. So I picked some up and brought them home and I was like revved up, like this is going to be awesome. And though it is, you know, fun to get nostalgic and look back on that. The fighting, you know, like every time they're going into battle and every time, you know, this is the battle that's going to win the fight, their theme song plays behind them. Mm-hmm. They all draw their weapons. And I notice they never really use them, maybe yeah. just to block, <laughs> but Leonardo takes out both katanas and just subdues Bebop with a single kick to the face, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, I don't remember the frames per minute on that uh, animation, but, um, you know, it worked for the time, but seeing the Nickelodeon series mm-hmm. and the fight sequences in that. Yeah. Oh my god, it's phenomenal. It's hard to beat just how far technology has come since then. You know, some right. things they're they're high quality, but they don't necessarily age well. And it's And I heard uh, Kevin Eastman in a different interview talking about how, you know, they actually brought in uh, like martial art experts to huh. I could be wording this wrong, it may not be this exactly, but people who know martial arts to make sure they were actually, you know, projecting that onto these characters and in the show the correct way, you know. Look like they're actually doing it instead yeah. of just... And it's amazing. It's they're awesome fight scenes. I love watching them. That and humor is I guess it works better it works well with kids and adults because you can sit there and now watch it and yeah. laugh with the new show. Yeah, and there's just we've seen and we uh what was her name? Remember the the girl who got us hooked up with Mo Lightning? I think her name was Rachel. Her yeah. Her and her whole family are diehard turtle fans and I think they actually went to eat meet uh, Kevin Eastman out of state she went dressed as um, April I think the husband may have gone as like Vern or Casey and then I think they've got four little kids that they all they dressed the up turtles. as the turtles yeah she looked like April yeah she did she really, she really did yellow jumpsuit yeah and she got us the uh, the tickets to the pre-screening of the first Michael mm-hmm. Bay movie so thank you again should you be listening <laughs> I doubt you are though <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'd have to agree, though. I mean, not just the Nickelodeon show, but just everything that's really happened with the series or the franchise since Nickelodeon acquired it. The IDW comic series is damn near flawless, in my opinion. With every incarnation of the Turtles that's come out in the past, with the except for the original. I mean, those are freaking, you know, awesome. 
Um, I've had some minor issues, like next mutation, for example. More than <laughs> who doesn't have that with that? I was waiting for that to be somebody's favorite. <laughs> but I love Venus. Well, touching on Venus, you know that's a that's a great example of what makes the Nickelodeon show great. You know, they pulled that piece of uh, TMNT history from the back catalog and incorporated it to the new, new show just by it being what the they pin painted up. the pin, the pinup on the side of yeah. the van. It was so clever. And uh, like when the first Michael Bay Turtles uh, movie was coming out and everybody was throwing a fit about the way they looked. There was an episode where somebody, like a person, had spotted Michelangelo in the woods yeah. and their artist's conception of what they saw was the Michael Bay Michelangelo. <laughs> that's just brilliant freaking writing. It's that healthy dose of self-awareness yeah. that sells it. Well, there's that episode where they're jumping through the different worlds where they ran into the 80s turtles and then they ran into the comic yeah. book ones that were super and violent. I, that was brilliant. And I love how it also gave Krang from the old series like a purpose. Like he had been cast out by the other Krang and was trying yeah. to get his way yeah. back to Dimension X, his approval. It was so neat. It was really good. Do you guys ever do any turtle cosplaying? Uh, you mean like as a child or as yeah. an adult? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember I went out as ho- on Halloween as Raphael a number of times. And we, uh, growing up, our trash can was like the old style, like Oscar Metal the Grouch. Yeah. Right. So I many times had that thing strapped to my back, the lid of that trash can. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I definitely wore that costume a number of times yeah. when I was younger. Went trick-or-treating more than once as more than one type of turtle. I remember I, I was taking karate lessons when I was younger because it's what you do when you're like a six-year-old kid. And uh, at some point they were like, all right, everybody get excited. Next week, Leonardo's coming to the dojo. And the guy came in in a Leonardo costume and was like, holy shit. I mean, they were kids, so they didn't yell right. holy shit. But we all pretty much lost our minds. I have a picture. It's an old Polaroid from 1991, I think, of uh, my sister and I at Walmart at the when the turtles were big they're the same thing Donatello's at Walmart <laughs> so we go down there and it's just some dude standing at the end of like an empty aisle um dressed as Donatello and it was just the bee's freaking knees do you look like the the original <clears throat> toy Donatello yeah, yeah. like uh, his there mouth was, one of those. was in that yep. <laughs> uh, showing the teeth and the eyes were all white there was one of those Donatello standing outside of a video store oh that, really and his hands you could you, he couldn't move his hands it was just like fingers there cause me and my dad went down there, and I had a plastic set of nunchucks, and my dad's like, here, oh, I guess you can't use them. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, yeah, like, this it, isn't a real it's turtle. It's so cool how awesome it was. I mean, even as a child, you know it's not a real turtle, but at the it's same time... part of you still believes yeah. somehow. It's something only a kid can do, I guess. And that was the same time they hit that same store, had that big honking uh, arcade machine out front, the TMNT arcade. Hmm. Game man, so many uh, good memories there. I'll have to post that because then we ended up meeting uh, the real Donatello, uh, uh, Jeremy Howard, Donatello from mm, Michael yeah. Bay. So I met Donatello twice. <laughs> <laughs> Double Donatello. Double Don. Double Don. Uh, what else we got, guys? I didn't get to talk about my dress up as a turtle. You guys oh, all. Oh sorry. yeah. Go ahead. Please continue. I didn't, didn't mean to wound just... your gentle spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Bring up a topic. Don't get to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I had two uh, two friends that were brothers that we ended up dressing up. Two brothers. Like, yeah. <laughs> that we dressed up like turtles. Well, not really dressing up. I mean, we had bandanas on our wrists, ankles, mm-hmm. around our knees, and headbands. Right. But it wasn't for Halloween. It was just for playing out in the backyard. It's funny because uh, 
for some reason, me and my one friend, we were the diehard turtle friends together. Like, whenever we got together, we were just consumed by playing the games, playing with the toys, playing it in the backyard, like you said, all turtles. And we were so freaking intrigued by the character Slash. And I, to this day, still am. He's one of my favorite characters in that franchise. Just a, uh, a rogue fifth turtle, you know, out to destroy the four. Sure. But um, when we acquired him, for some reason, we didn't play with him as he was like an enemy. We, we set up like he had his own pizza business. So we, sl- we set up like Slash's <laughs> Pizza and like the rest of the turtles would come through a drive through as he served. That's where they've been getting all their pizza. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't believe I said that on air. Damn. <laughs> no fixing it now. One thing I wanted to say earlier I, I forgot was... um. You know, I pointed out that the IDW series is a, mu- a lot like the um, cartoon series that's out, but much more adult, I think. There's a little less comedy, a lot more serious tone. It's just like it in the aspect where, again, it pulls from those uh, past... From everywhere else. Yeah, incarnations of the Turtles. But um, a great series. If anyone hasn't read it, if you're even remotely a fan, check it out. It's such a great series. What else we got? The movies. Oh yeah, back the in the what was it? The end, the early nineties. The 91? first one came out. was it? Yeah, I think the first one came out. I saw that in the theater. Oh, same here. My sister was so mad because the whole time in the very beginning, you don't see the turtles for a little while, and every little thing that kept happening, like off screen, you'd hear a little kid. Is that a turtle, mom? Is that a turtle? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember my um, we we were coming up in a household that was full of Christian values and stuff, and my mom didn't want me to go see it. When it was coming out at first, because she'd heard that there was adult language in it and stuff. <laughs> what? So, yeah. Now, mind you, I mean, to us, there are there is no adult language, yeah. but to the very conservative yeah, Christian yeah. household, <laughs> the smallest of swear words Damn. are a bombshell. Blasphemer. So, I begged my mother. I begged my mother because I had even like ordered like the novelization of it oh, through Scholastic and read that book. I was like, <laughs> Mom, you gotta take me. So she finally took me to see it. And I remember when Raphael's chasing Casey, and he's like, I'm not finished with you! Damn! Yeah. I just remember my mom's head falling <laughs> to her hands, <laughs> and like, what have I done? Just, just validating all of her fears. Yes, yes. I will never forget that moment. And I just kept thinking, like, it's not that bad, Mom. I didn't say that to her because I was enthralled with the movie, but I just kept thinking, it's not that bad. And it's not that bad. Come on. I, I remember. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember their little underground fun club for kids that the Foot Clan was running, and there were two guys negotiating, oh, yeah. like they had like cartons of cigarettes. He's <laughs> yes. like, You are regular or menthol? I remember asking my parents, like, What are those? And they're like, the, uh, Those are chocolate bars. You know, I always thought they were, it was like the chocolate bars you go door to door and sell. I'm like, That's how they're making their money. It's you so candy. Bars. would never get another mo- turtle movie like that in the theaters nowadays. No. Never. No it came at such a right time. And Jim Henson. I mean, yeah. you know, we've talked about the graphics of Jurassic Park holding up. That movie's even older than Jurassic Park. And those, you know, visual effects, whether it be with them, those puppets, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, the fighting still holds up. That it's roof solid. scene with Raphael is fantastic. Him falling through the roof. I mean, yeah. it's very dramatic, very adult tones. But... The mouths kind of don't move with the words a little bit, but it's enough I mean, to get there's, past. I mean, if you're going to nitpick, well, yeah, yeah, there's there definitely. But for the most part, like when 
that early scene when Raphael comes home all pissed off and Splinter's like, come sit down. He's like, can't this wait till more? Sit down now, you know? I just love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Because somewhere, you know, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but when Kevin and Peter, you know, originally thought this up, it was just kind of a silly story about four turtles. But the story has evolved far past the turtles. The story at its heart, you know, at its core is about the rivalry between Hamato Yoshi and Oroko Saki mm-hmm. and the turtles just kind of being caught between it. That movie just really really captures that absolutely and as the sequels came out they kept getting more playful and more kid friendly and the second one I can still kind of roll with but I still like the second one not like that first one that first one is just perfection yeah I see what you're saying it was just a a weirdly ballsy movie that is just not gonna conditions aren't gonna be right again for something like that to happen for someone to take First, a subject like that, and then take it in that direction. It just doesn't happen. It's, it's right. not marketable. You know, the suits aren't going to greenlight a project like that. The soundtrack to the first movie is awesome too. Oh, well, yeah. maybe not the whole soundtrack, but it's a, a good great bit of it. Uh, nostalgia uh, trip for sure. That especially the T or T T U R T L E power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll that definitely one. find its way in this episode. I'm sure. <laughs> I always get chills listening to that song. Oh, what about the other one? Nine point nine five. Oh God, I never understood that one. Oh, it's a good <laughs> song, Spunkadelic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've got that soundtrack on CD somewhere. <laughs> I've got it somewhere at home. And... Um, so, but other than those initial first three that came out, then we had the uh, the all CG TMNT that came out. Did you guys see that at all? It's on Netflix now. Came out in like no, two thousand five, six ish, maybe. I don't think I watched that. Yeah, I didn't it watch was pretty those good. Ones. It was really good. It opened up with Leonardo in Brazil, like down there, like on a, like a soul search kind of thing, and him coming back and the reaction of Raphael to that. Very dramatic between the two of them, but a uh, good story. No shredder in it though. They take they fight ancient monsters and stuff. So, huh. what about the Michael Bay films? What do we think of the Michael Bay films, fellas? I'm not a Michael Bay fan. Right. I don't, I don't really care much for his style. But I think by a pretty wide margin, Turtles has been the best of the bunch as far as movies with his stamp, you know? There you go. Never thought of it like that. That's really true. It's kind of like it's not to suggest Turtles was a bad movie because it's definitely a fun movie. But it almost reminds me of like Independence Day, where Independence Day is is a good movie. But I think the reason it's so good is because it's, it's so much better than the other movies by that director. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I um, I definitely had some problems with it. Like I wasn't big on the origin story and just how like all their ninjutsu just came from a book they found. But yeah, um, you know, and a, a grievance I think we all had when it was first announced. But one I come to really love was the way they looked. Um, I love how each of them is just yeah. wearing you know different articles of clothing mm-hmm. and accessories that really brings out their personality. And, uh, you know, displays their characteristics. That's they, what they, sold it. That first picture that we saw of Leo wearing, because he had that kind of yes. chess piece on. the oh, that like bamboo chess piece. Yeah, yeah that was really That was cool. awesome. Yeah. I didn't even care about the way they looked. They changed yeah. the visual style, but they didn't do it just because. Like, they used it as an opportunity to visually represent the personalities of them, like you yeah. said. So it's, it's, it's a... Worthwhile is not quite the word. It's a logical... Right. change in the visual design. And then with the second one, getting to see uh, Rocksteady and Bebop and yeah. Krang finally, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was incredible. They, I think they really did it right with Rocksteady and Bebop. Yeah. that was There were no missteps as far as how they were portrayed. 
I had very I had some complaints with the second one, but less than the first. I think mm-hmm. um, it was a lot. It, it felt more like the turtles. Maybe yeah. it's because you already saw them in action in the first one, and you knew how they were. So. <clears throat> Just regular day to day life, how they screw around and kind right. of play at the same time. The shredder kind of bugged me. I I love. Was it Brian T? Is it? Is that the guy who played it in the I second think, yeah, movie? I think that's what it was. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor, and I, not to say he didn't do a great job because he did. He was very intimidating, but um, like I've said before, I'm just more a fan of like continuity. And Tora Masamuni was very intimidating. Yeah, yes, how he loomed in the shadows and that scene where you, you you never really get a full grasp of his face, but like where his back's to the camera and he's tied up and he takes out those elite guards just with his head and mm-hmm. you know it, oh. he had the right countenance. Yeah, you know, he exuded that shredderness. And you never see the shredder fight or really with his helmet on. Yeah. And when he did put it on, it looked kind of goofy. And but. Um, Still, I had a lot of fun with that movie, and I'm yeah. excited to see the the uh, third one when it comes out. Are they doing um, the third? I'm sure. I'm sure I they've both so. been successful. I wasn't big on their uh, their how they came to be the turtles. You know, being all in April's lab and stuff, <laughs> or April's father's lab. I understand plot wise for the movie why they did it, and it's, yeah. I think it's necessary that way. But um, just can't looking, feed turtles pizza though you can't. It's, no, it's not good for. <laughs> but my favorite has thus far has been their uh, re- their uh, origins in the IDW series because they're reincarnations of an actual family that lived in like ancient Japan. Oh really? And the Shredder, like, I mean, it was very graphic, very adult scene. You know, he captures Hamato and his sons, and he set he beheads them, kills them all, and then tells Hamato to get down before he beheads Hamato says you know he may he like prays to some force or something like please let me seek vengeance for my family then the next thing you know his spirit awakens years later in the form of these rats and four turtles you know so I just that kind love of works, that works love well it. with the uh, that whole culture type thing so yeah really tying them back to the era mm-hmm. but see I think he's the only one that remembers it if I remember correctly the turtles don't have really much memory of it and they're on the fence rather not to believe him but anyway a great series I can't recommend it enough people check it out and you can't talk turtles without talking about pizza or pizza hut or music groups Oh, you son of a bitch. I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to, but I almost forgot. The, uh, yeah, well, the uh, Out, Out of, of Their, their Shells, Shells tour. Yes. That was 92? I don't remember. It was somewhere in those years. Huh? Right around the first movie, yeah. There, there's a traveling uh, show, like rock concert with the Turtles, like all in outfits. and uh, You can see the whole the concert on YouTube. Yeah. Look for it. I sat and watched it one day and... I mean, you might find better things to do with your time. You, <laughs> Probably you, could. You might want to just check in to see how it was, because, I mean, I don't think it, it really stood the test of time, but it was really cool because uh, Brooke has been doing TV spots for her work down at, uh, what is it, Channel 26 or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'll go down there with her sometimes. And at Christmas one year, they have people in outfits oh, come yeah. on, on the air to pass out um, presents to needy kids. And one of the costumes, this dude came walking out of the uh, one of the back rooms in a Michelangelo outfit. And I was like, oh my God, what's this suit from? And he said it was from that tour. So I was like holding his arm out, like looking at every detail. (laughs) 
It was really cool to see um, in person, but it looked better than all the videos you see. Because didn't they have like little like stars and shit over their eyes? Yeah, it was kind of like a kiss, very kiss like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see, you tell the spots on their head were vent holes, which the guys had to have that. <laughs> oh, oh I had stage. to burn it up in that thing. But I don't think the the mouths were animatronic. I think they just kind of flapped. Like, well, yeah, so when they talked, like they, they were... just bobbed their heads. Mm-hmm. And, it may have even been someone else voicing them off stage. I don't remember, but that probably would have been the smarter way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But it, I mean, it, more than just music, it was like a whole play, kind of like story There's involving story Shredder swings in, Splinter <laughs> gives advice. April it was like a barrel. big musical that they were yeah a band exactly. at the same time. But Pizza Hut, yeah, had a promotion where you could come in if you bought like a big, like a large pizza or a meal, you could get that With album for like a. Yeah, uh, they had the cassette and the. Uh, CD CDs were cassette. just coming out I did too but uh, over the years I've reacquired these songs and it's uh, <laughs> man it's fun to go back and listen to them some of them oh, are yeah. corny but some of them are, remember Splinter Skipping Stone yeah, that's, uh, I think that's probably the only song I ever fast forwarded through because it was too oh, slow really? I guess yeah oh I enjoyed I, that song it was alright but it, the feeling that I got from all the other songs I hated the April song where she's just that like, one too, singing yeah. about like I like I no matter what I know they got my back. I can't remember how it went, but that's you? how many times I've listened to it. No, I, it was something like that though. But yeah, I never listened to her song. You can you can count on us. That's what they told me, or something like that. It We're was, the turtles. You can count. Yeah. That was the end song. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'll make that the end song to this episode. That's actually, nice. um, we can't talk turtles without talking t-shirts. Oh, I mean that's a it's a natural uh, thing with the Ninja Turtles T-shirts. I Just actually as got a turtles pretty... have their shells. So does man have T-shirts that they do. I actually got a pretty cool T-shirt, turtle T-shirt in this last loot crate. It was freaking awesome. It's all green, has like the shell pattern on the front, and on the bottom, like left. There's like uh, the turtle vein with all the huh. turtles hanging out of it. But well, um, I should be getting that here pretty soon. Then you should be. Yes, yeah. it was an awesome shirt, but um, not quite as awesome as what. Candare can do for you. Isn't that right, Jake? That is absolutely correct, Jeremy, and I appreciate you bringing this up because now is a perfectly opportune time to tell you, guess what? 20% off plus free shipping. Oh, Can you even imagine? Either one on its own is enough. We're giving you both. Now is the time to Mm -hmm. invest in some quality merch. Do you want to be a social success? Candare wants you to be. Yeah. With a tasteful well-designed, high-quality T-shirt and or mug and or shower curtain. And that's how it's done with these three items, T-shirts, mugs, and shower curtains. It's basically the Holy Trinity. Each one of those is a rung on the ladder to success. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, three easy tiers. All it takes is a little, little money, and uh, you will be a captain of industry, just a real champion among men. Yeah, those curtains, I tell you what, if, you, if anyone buys those, again, I stand by it. Let us know, yeah. and we'll record some podcast uh, under any topic you want, because they're expensive, <laughs> and you earned it. <laughs> yeah, that's serious. But yeah, head over to society6.com forward slash Pod. Check out those cool Candare t-shirts. Um, I was really digging that red logo on you like that? I think that I'm going to like order a little one. bit of options. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to order one of those on a, on a black, the red logo on mm-hmm. black. That's going to look sweet. I had to adjust <clears> the uh, red shirt with red logo on some of them because I didn't realize so I could just hit like, <laughs> do this logo on all just the other shirts. Just red t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. That's so cool. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, get on there. Check out some T-shirts. You can so many colors to choose from, different sizes. You can uh, customize your Candare T-shirt to fit your body exactly. I mean, what else do you want us to do for you? Don't miss this unique opportunity to be a walking advertisement for a podcast from Ohio. It's, we got it's more iPhone of an cases honor. now too. 
doing? Yep. Oh, cool. Wow. Think of that, people. Canned air on your phone. Not only in the shower, but on your phone. <laughs> Next stop, what? Fidget spinners? Oh, oh shit. Oh, boy. Now, that might be something that sells. Down the yeah. dark side. I mean, we're doing great, people. <laughs> <laughs> so, once more, society6.com forward slash canned air pod. <clears throat> And for those of you who are going to be going to Wizard World conventions, we have the uh, Columbus convention coming up this sure weekend, do. April 4th, 5th, and 6th. August. I keep saying April. Thank you. August 4th, 5th, and 6th uh, here in Columbus at the convention center. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, when you go to wizardworld.com to purchase those tickets, type in canned air in the promo box. No space between canned and air. No capitals. No capitals, and you'll get yourself a cool 10% off. That's the canned air bump we just gave you. Can't beat that. Right. And that goes not just for the Columbus show, but uh, Chicago, August 24th, 25th, 26th, and 7th. We're coming your way. Use canned air at checkout. 10% off. Nashville, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. Canned air at checkout. 10 freaking percent off. Just can't beat that, can you? You're welcome. So, with all that crap behind us, Let's just turn our attention over to the centerpiece of this episode, our conversation with the ever-awesome co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman. Uh, he's uh, on top of Talking Turtles. We're also going to be talking with him about his Kickstarter starting August 1st for Drawing Blood, the story behind the story. And I was uh, thinking about sitting here telling you about it, but I think it's probably better just to let Kevin himself yeah. Yeah. tell the listener about it. So take it away, Kevin. Kevin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I'm a huge Turtles fan, as our listeners know. I oh, have to yeah. keep myself from talking about it on the show sometimes. <laughs> uh, this is just really quite an honor. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, guys, absolute, absolute pleasure to be with you. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me as well. I'm really excited to talk to you all. This is, this is awesome. And I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, your Kickstarter coming August 1st for A Drawing Blood, the stories behind the stories. It sounds really cool, but I've... I would kick myself in the ass if I didn't ask you a few turtle questions before I did so. Oh, please, bring them on. I love, <laughs> I love those turtles. <laughs> it's good to hear. I'd like to get that on a T-shirt if I could. <laughs> I want to get one that says, I am Ice Cream Kitty. So it's <laughs> oh, man, that show has been so fantastic. That yeah, is. Oh, Absolutely. Nice. Those guys are awesome. Love working on that show with them. Well, it's a it's a great show. I love how it just encompasses the whole franchise. All of it takes yeah. the best of everything yep. and puts it into one uh, one mess there for you. It's great. Okay, so in the beginning, when uh, you and Peter Laird were creating these characters, I've heard you say in other uh, interviews and podcasts that you know it started as just like a doodle. You guys were passing back and forth, uh, being funny with each other, and then uh, you guys decided to make that one issue that you didn't think would sell. So I'm just kind of curious as to what was it then that if you guys you know thought it was silly, didn't think it would sell, why did you go ahead with it? It's almost like your subconscious selves knew it was going to be a hit. <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could take that credit. Um, no, it was more of that you know both Peter and I you know dreamed of you know when we were young you know dreamed of becoming someone like Jack Kirby you know drawing comic books for a living and, and telling all these fantastical and you know, a wide variety of stories, past, present, and future. And I think that. Um, you know, when the, with the turtles, it was we'd already by the time we came up with the idea of the turtles, we'd already you know we'd been submitting you know work and samples and, and different kinds of things to a lot of different publishers. We had that wonderful, inspiring, and I mean it seriously, inspiring stack of rejection letters makes you want to try harder. Right. Um, 
but around this time, we, we just felt the, the movement, not only, you know, I was a fan of, you know, underground comic book artists like um, uh, Robert Crumb and uh, Von Bodie and Richard Corbin and guys that were self-published. More importantly, you know, looking at contemporaries around this time, you had uh, Dave Sim with Cerebus um, uh, self-publishing. You had Wendy and Richard Peeney with uh, Elfquest self-publishing, you know, Flaming Carrot, Bob Burton. There was this really wonderful movement of, you know, you didn't have to meet someone else's expectation of what was good enough or not good enough. Um, and so Peter and I really embraced that idea and said, well, look, we, let's tell a story that we want to tell, the kind of story that we'd like to read. Um, and, you know, even though we, we don't draw that well and maybe we don't write that well, um, let's, let's, you know, create our own characters and our own story and, and self-publish it. And if we don't sell a copy, then... You know, it's on nobody but us, and uh, and so that was really, you know, we put all of our heart, soul, and passion into that one thing that um, somehow, you know, all you crazy, awesome fans uh, found something in it you loved, and, and you know, here I am, 34 years later, still blessed and still talking about turtles, you know. Well, it's that heart and soul that you've put in it that uh, keeps us coming back. It's, it just uh, sure is a shame that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can't believe it's been that long. Well, you know, it's funny because yeah. I, you know, I mean, I sold my interest in the turtles probably 20 years ago now, but it's like uh, it's just interesting that you know I'm working on more turtle stuff these days between helping uh, working with the IDW team on the ongoing series. You know, I do some light consulting and voices and some stuff on the animated series. I wrote an episode this year, and I do some consulting on some other turtle things. That, and I just love that, you know, it's like, how could they come up with one other really awesome turtle story idea? And these guys that I work with are, you know, Tom Waltz and, and Bobby Kernow and the artists that, uh, especially drawing the, uh, the IDW series. I mean, I love them, and I also hate them because they all draw better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I really, I'm really um, working, you know, spending more time on turtles than I ever have, and, uh, and it's just, a, it's fantastic on every level. It's one thing I wanted to, uh, well, first compliment you on is the IDW series. It's probably the best thing to happen to the turtles, in my opinion, in a long time. It's such a fantastic series, and it kind of does the same thing that the uh, Nickelodeon show does, where it takes pieces of the franchise puts it together and then there's even uh, new elements like their uh, reincarnation origins and uh what else like splinter in charge of the foot at one point brilliant absolutely loved it um but what was it like for you to come back to writing these stories um after so many years and after so many other people have put their touches on on the franchise what was it like well it's you know it was it was you know like um I'm uh, trying to come up with something more clever than just say it's like riding a bicycle. But you know, <laughs> um, you know it was it was really you see the turtle to me the the turtles were never that far away because you know I feel like you know Peter and I are the you know, the, the turtles' dads if you will and sure. you know even when I wasn't physically working on the turtles they were always a part of my life and in, in some way shape and form. But uh, really was when I went down um, again specifically on the IDW comics when I went down and, and met with them. Um, my old friend Ted Adams and Robbie Robbins, who you know co-founded IDW, and and they brought me uh, over to meet this guy Tom Walls, who had this idea that you know IDW had just gotten a license for the uh, for the to, to do the comic book, and uh, they wanted me to say, hey, we wanted this, you to give this your blessing, and maybe you got some ideas, maybe do some covers. And when Tom sort of laid out, you know, most of what you mentioned, whether it be the reincarnation aspect and the different the different things that he wanted to do just in the first you know half dozen issues. Um, I just flipped out in the, in the most positive way. I said, dude, this is fantastic. It's sort of, 
it keeps the same heart and soul. It keeps the family aspect, but there's some risks here. But this foundation you're creating, like, again, you dress so so carefully and correctly, was you created this foundation where you can pull from different turtle universes, whether it be the original, you know, Black and White Mirage series or the animated series or the 2000 animated series. And I said, if the fans uh, embrace it like, you know, I hope and pray they do, this, this, could, this could really go the distance. Um, and you guys have, and, you know, I can't believe it. I mean, we have, we have story stories plotted up straight through issue 100 which is um oh, you know, 2019 and this current storyline I'm, I'm just completely thrilled about but you know most of all getting to work with uh with tom and these artists um because it gives me you know gives me such you know i'm an old guy now so it's like it gives me such energy and, and i really try to have to you know and i mean it sincerely you know i i need to up my game to keep up with them because they're, they're doing some pretty fantastic stuff Agreed. I especially love uh, Dark Leo. That oh my god, that was <laughs> such an awesome addition. Uh, to the point, I had to make my own custom Dark Leo figure. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'll, I'll shoot you a picture. Please do. No, Mateus uh, Santucolo, the, the he's just. I mean, that guy could work for anybody anywhere in the industry. But he he just loves turtles, and we're so lucky to have him because he's he's definitely one of my favorites. But. You know, uh, Dan Duncan, who originally kicked it off, Corey Smith. Um, oh man, the list goes on. There's just so many, so many really talented guys that uh, bring these stories to life that I'm, I'm just so proud of. Well, I can't wait to read the rest of these. I was actually reading today. I went to pick up my pool and didn't realize how far behind I was. I like to let them build up. That way I have a bunch of reading. Big reading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can burn through for 12 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, so often you hear uh, creators of either, you know, comics or television shows say that, you know, years into their series or whatever they're doing, you know, they can look back on those early years and sometimes say, man, I wish I would have done that differently or wish I wouldn't have done that. Do you have any, like, uh, moments like that looking back on your early days with TMNT? You know, uh I, I, you know, immediately I say no only because, um, you know, especially in those uh, early years that, you know, we really didn't know any, any any when you're discovering this stuff and you know stuff i was fortunately i was working with peter laird you know so we had a we had a you know a partnership and we had a a friendship so that you know going through you know uh you know the appropriate steps to signing the right entertainment deal asking lawyers too many questions asking you know wanting to know be fully aware of every single aspect of, of that you know if we were giving up um, uh, even a, a, a short-term ownership in our characters, we wanted to have control over that. So we really, right. everything that we sort of figured out along the path um, uh, uh, was was to, together. We had each other's backs, and uh, you know there might have been something we might a little different here, a little different there, but that's really uh, nothing, you know, nothing of any any real serious substance. Um, you know, even with. Uh, you know, once um, you know that sort of, I started evolving out of out of Turtles. Um, I went oh, again, always part of that partnership. Even things like Tundra Publishing, which I I, I did in the Where's the Pictures Museum and Heavy Metal Magazine and these other creative adventures. Um, you know, all of those are just you know either a, a great learning experience, a, a great creative um, situation of working with just fantastic artists and, 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 and giving a little back to the comics community and, and, and doing stuff. But yeah, I just. I don't feel like I have any regrets. I've just been way too blessed to, to have, you know, second guess or, or, or think, you know, anything different than, hey, I get to get up every day. I get to draw comic books. I get to work with some really great people on some ideas. And, and you know, there, there simply is nothing better. That's amazing. That's awesome to hear, man. 
And I would uh, love to keep picking your brains on turtles here. Maybe we can sometime in the future. Um, but we got to get to this Kickstarter starting August 1st, again, for Drawing Blood, the story behind the stories. Um, it looks like this is about a uh, fictional comic book artist by the name of Shane Bookman, who uh, seems to, his life seems to resemble yours quite a bit. <laughs> yes. It's, um, Shane Bookman is a, is a, it's a complete, completely fictional true story of Shane Bookman. Uh, <laughs> um, but it is in, in actuality. I mean, if you, you know, much like, you know, looking at how, say, Tom Wall set up the new Turtles IDW universe, um, I, this is sort of like the basic foundation of uh, of a guy that creates something huge that then struggles with you know too much too soon too much success um, loses his path uh, uh, you know Taya has a has a bit of a struggle in, in this myriad of sort of this mess that he has to get himself back out of all the while sort of looking to try to get back to that eight year old nine year old um, child uh, aspiration of why did I get into this business in the first place was to draw comic books and so he's struggling but um, so my my structure, I mean, you know, even that, you know, that first page that Ben Bishop said that we gave you as a teaser is like, I've never been in a gunfight before. <laughs> I thought, man, this turtle thing goes deeper than I realized. Yeah. Yeah. Playing hardball in the turtle's world. Don't mess with me, man. No, no. no but we wanted to, um, David Avaloni, the co-creator, and I, we really brought um, a number of experiences. He's worked in and out of comics for years. I worked in and out of comics for my almost 30, 34, 35 years. And it's always, you know, I've, I've got friends and friendships and stories from, you know, from the image guys to Alan Moore to Dave, it's just Frank Miller. So many people that I've, I've, I've met and known and they, they have, you know, a crazy fan experience or this is what happened to me the first time I worked in Hollywood or, you know, one time I, you know, it was sort of like, you know, if you imagine, you know, if it was, um, you know, uh, the same issues dealing with uh, sudden success too much too soon, if it was a comic book artist, a rock star or a sports star or something that, you know, we, we felt that it was an interesting idea and we loved the idea that we could sort of, you know, like I said, mix in a little Breaking Bad, a little Spinal Tap, a little and sort of put it in, you know, this character through these paces and, uh, you know, even in Shane, I mean, in Shane's world, it's the world of comics as we know today. I mean, I exist in it, uh, Peter Laird does. I mean, this is just a separate story that, you know, sort of is inclusive of a lot of uh, um, true fiction. Uh, from many, many different friends and comic creators that I, I think makes a, a pretty interesting an interesting story. I, I, we've had a lot of fun writing it. I mean, if we were doing it as an ongoing series right now, today, we've got probably, you know, a monthly series, we've probably got three years' worth of issues. Um, and this is just the, the first volume. So hopefully, if it resonates, we'll, we'll get to do more Shane, you know, in the life of Shane Bookman. Oh, wow. So oh, that's that was going to be my next question. I had seen that... Uh two different places online one said graphic novel and two said series so it is an ongoing series yeah we'd like to we figured that you know with the kickstarter i mean um you know we felt that i mean you can you could do individual comics and and floppies which is something we considered at one point so when i refer to it as like a series we felt like you know giving you the first four issues and like 112 page um uh trade that gives you you know completely sets up sort of the first arc of you know, what we call volume one that sort of sets everything up and takes you through this first adventure. Then we'll do sort of a behind the scenes creation of, uh, but one of the perks, um, you know, if we hit our goal with the, with the trade, um, you get the recreation of the, um, uh, radically rearranged Ronan Ragdoll's number one, which is a 32 <laughs> comic. You get 
Um, and if yeah, if we if you guys dig it after we put it out, I mean, we we hope to to keep it going as an ongoing series. And and I always love the you know the structure like IDW does with the turtles. I mean, it's usually in four or five issue arcs. So I feel like you can put in sort of a chunk and you know so that you don't have to read all the issues before, but you can sort of you know do a nice arc over four issues and then sort of keep keep those stories rolling. I cannot wait to back this. Yeah. That was going to be another question. Do we get to see the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls uh, like comic at all? And we uh, do. I, so I, I tell you what, no one can accuse you of being unprepared. Every project you've described, you're obviously in it for the long haul. Yeah, you know, and I sure. think that evokes a lot of confidence in the crowdfunding world that they know they're going to get a quality product for a good long while as well. Well, thank you. No, because you know, and I'm so proud of um, you know. Again, I'm lucky that you know, even with the. Uh, um, this first arc, the main series artist in, in, in these arcs would be Ben Bishop, which is a, a buddy of mine from Maine I've known for a long time. Really, you know, he's loved his work. Um, getting to work with Troy Little, he's going to, Troy Little's going to be the adapting the um, uh, radically rearranged Ronan Ragdolls that I'll, I'll be doing the layouts, Troy will be doing the finishes. And even, even with the Ben story, I'll have a couple pages of flashback in each sequence. So probably over the first trade, there'll be um, um, 10 to 12 pages of, of, of my work in there, as well as other stuff. Um, uh, you know, I wrote all the stories with David. David Avalone's doing the final scripts. But, um, you know, I feel like the, you know, if you can create something, you're lucky enough to, you know, we sink, we go all in. And then if we can get you guys to sink your teeth in it, we'd like to keep you around and, and take you for a, a pretty fun ride. So, um we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, you guys will be the judge if we get to do more. So <laughs> consider our teeth sunk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely going to be backing that on uh, the day on April for, or excuse me, August first. This coming uh, Tuesday, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, one other question I have for you, really quick, and uh, any of you guys can smack me for asking this question, but <laughs> there are no silly questions. Oh, you haven't heard it yet. Brace yourself. <laughs> when you were coming up with the concept, did you ever out loud go, radically rearrange Ronin ragdolls? <laughs> you know, it was, that's so funny because it was, um, you just reminded me of it and then thought about it in years was um, when it, because Chuck Lorre, the Big Bang Theory in, in, in yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you guys probably knew this already anyway, but he came and he did the first, the theme song for the first uh, Turtles cartoon back in the late 80s um, wow. but he did uh, besides um, he sent us in like four or five different possible versions and there was one that was kind of like the way he did it was it sounded like a western theme like you know like we're riding down the trail singing this song <laughs> <laughs> um, but no I never you know it's like oh man I couldn't imagine you know the turtles were that lightning in a bottle that you know struck once and, and you know I can't believe it's still around 34 years later but I I couldn't imagine, you know, anything out there ever, you know, going to that crazy place. Um, and, and, you know, with the with Drawing Blood, it's it's really kind of a fun way to, to reflect on it fondly. Nothing's done, you know, it's not, I mean, especially with the ragdolls, because it, it's a really fun idea. And, and you'll, you'll get the parody of the parody because the first Turtles book was a parody. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I looked at it, too. You know, he was talking when I was talking to like, David and we were sort of coming up with the notes. It's like, I love radioactive adolescent black belt hamsters. I love them. I was going to think back in the day they were about 21 adjective, 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 noun, uh, um, inspired, turtle-inspired characters. So, you know, oh, wow. So including, I mean, even Marvel put out a couple ads. I don't think they ever seriously insisted that we're going to do the book, but they had a, 
adult thermonuclear samurai elephants. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, so radically re- um, re- three female samurai cats uh, going to kick some butt, and I think people get a kick out of it already. Well, I know I'm going to get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, it's a safe uh, bet. August 1st, for all of our listeners, uh, you can get on uh, com or just go to Kickstarter and type in Drawing Blood, or just go to Candare, because we're going to be uh, pushing this yes, it's gonna be the next month. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, please check it out. And, Kevin, I want to thank you so much again for being on the show with us. It's, it's an honor to have you here, and uh, hopefully we get you back in the future, man. You guys are too cool. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, and really appreciate your support. Thanks. All right, everyone, and there you have it, our interview with Kevin Eastman. Man, that was really... What an awesome dude. A dream. Just right there. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you, I want that book. Yeah. Right? I'm definitely going to be back in that day. He had yeah. me at the He's title. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and not to mention the radically rearranged Ronan Ragdoll. I <laughs> want to see that so I've bad. i got to see yeah. that first issue. That's worth so. the price of admission alone, the yeah. fact that you're getting two of those things. Yeah. It really is. So, everybody, again, August 1st, Drawing Blood, the story behind the stories. Kickstarter uh, kicks off. Be sure to head uh, over to Kickstarter and pledge your support. You can also go to KevinEastmanStudios.com. There ought to be a link there. Or... Head over to your local Canned Air website where we're going to be pushing the heck out of this thing on Twitter, Facebook, and on the website. So uh, plenty of different links for you to head over and pledge your support and uh, get this book made. It needs to be made. This should be the easiest Kickstarter decision you've ever made because this guy is yeah. the real deal. Yeah. Like, you know for a fact it's going to be worth it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm stoked. I can't wait. So, uh, yeah, once again, KevinEastmanStudios.com. And he's on Twitter at KevinEastman86. So uh, lots of places to follow him and uh, keep up on it. And I actually believe that the character uh, Shane Bookman from... Uh, the Drawing Blood has his own Twitter handle as well. So. Yes, because that was throwing me off big time before this <laughs> Before show. we knew yeah. about it. Yeah, so uh, follow that one as well. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com or you can check out some of our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes, see the Wall of Justice, see some of the videos from our YouTube page, click on that verse. Click on that merch button, and if you have any comments, complaints, or want to give us some kudos, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to visit us on all of our social media outlets, Twitter, Instagram, or you can find us at CannedAirPod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. We've got all kinds of good stuff there for you, and on our YouTube page, where we've got videos aplenty, including a fantastic new tour of the Cincinnati Museum Star mm-hmm. Wars exhibit. Oh, thank you. I forgot Well about worth that. the watch, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I had fun making it. It was a great time. I hope people like it. I'm there's no doubt. It's a little long-winded, but maybe you could watch it in a few parts. It's about sure. an hour long, but it's a complete walkthrough of that exhibit. Yeah, spend ten minutes watching it, you'll still get something out of it. You know. Oh yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. So thank you though. I forgot all about sure. that. If any of our listeners uh, enjoyed this episode, I'm taking anyone. Everyone listening is probably a TMNT fan. Same we way. have other episodes uh, themed around those uh, favorite turtles of ours. In episode 89, we talked to Townsend Coleman, who was the uh, voice of Michelangelo in the original series. In episode 123, we talked with Jim Lawson, who was working right alongside Peter and Kevin in the early days on the comics. And uh, a little bit later, I believe, in the uh, Tales of TMNT. He's, he's done all kinds of stuff with the turtles. And then again, in episode 157, we get to talk to Toro Masamune, uh, the gentleman who played the Shredder in the first Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And not only was that a great interview just to talk with him, but he's very up on the comic series himself. Oh, yeah, he is. So yeah, we yeah. got to nerd out with him on the Turtles comic series. Um, lots of Turtles goodness 
within uh, this and those three episodes. So uh, if you need more of a fill, go to those episodes right there. We got you covered. All right, but I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Collins. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. can't wait to see this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind. But what am I supposed to do? Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit. All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Candare podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Testies. We are listening. Testies. God, I miss being able to hear us. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag. But let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.